Welcome to Today on Broadway for Tuesday, February 13th, 2024. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tamanini. And I'm Tell Me on a Sunday podcast, Grace Aki. Grace, this is why I don't come to New York City in the winter. Because on <laughs> Tuesday, there is a severe snowstorm that is scheduled to hit Manhattan around 8 a.m. with heavy snow going until noon. They are forecasting anywhere from 6 to 12 inches of snow. I have lived in Florida for a decade. I don't have a tire appropriate for a snowstorm, let alone did I bring it with me, although I did order waterproof snow boots uh, on Amazon to be delivered overnight, so hopefully they get here in time. So great. I love it. I love to be in New York during a blizzard. Sorry, Matt. Sucks to be you, I guess. <laughs> really does. This is why I don't live here. That being said, if anybody listening has tickets on Tuesday to see the Smash Workshop and is not going to come into Midtown and wants to pass those along to me, please feel free to let me know. I will happily take them from you. Nonetheless, so much stuff going on. I have not done a travelogue episode yet because when I was going to record it on Sunday, I had to write like two breaking news stories for the day job. So you can check those out over at thestreamable.com. Um, but I will do that. Grace, you and I are going to see Glory Days after this episode. Uh, we're done recording that. So I will lump those in with everything. I will say so far, Grace, I've seen four shows, all of them very, very depressing. Three of them, all three of the plays that I've seen have been excellent if not even better than excellent in some cases the one musical i saw is the opposite of excellent and it was the longest hour and 45 minutes of my entire life so we'll hear more about that over on patreon.com slash broadway radio broadwayradio.com slash patreon at the mezzanine tier and above all right grace so while i was out seeing it one of those excellent plays the animal kingdom there was a football game going on on sunday and apparently the biggest thing that happened during that football game was that they released the first look for the first Wicked movie. And we'll have a link in the show notes if you want to check out the video. But Grace, I did want to get your thoughts. on. It's not a trailer because it's only like a minute long. But what were your thoughts on our first look of the Wicked? I thought it was beautiful. I thought it was so stunning. My only thing is that like, I, I was kind of taken aback by the fact that one, that we got to hear the battle cry. But I understand that's... It's very iconic, but I feel like it's better saved for the thing, but whatever. You know what? You got to show it. I think that for anyone that doesn't know what Wicked is, that was a very confusing trailer. <laughs> um, it gave a lot away. But um, the other part was that I thought it was strange that Elphaba was in a black dress when she first meets Glinda because Glinda has that line like, wait, you're green. Like she meets oh, her at yeah. you know school. And I was like, she shouldn't be in that black dress. Like she should be in her her school attire like everyone else because then she becomes the witch so i don't know i just thought that that was a little interesting dramaturgically speaking well no you're right i'm like i'm scrolling through it now that is definitely it could be an overcoat with her like um blue shiz uniform underneath uh so that is very interesting yeah i i agree with you though i think it looks incredible john m chu does not miss when directing movie musicals like he knows how to, or anything to be quite honest with you he knows how to make things look right the one thing i will say is you mentioned the battle cry which i've never heard it called that before but i do love that term cynthia gives us a little bit of a growl in there which is much more of a west end london belt thing which we don't really get over here in 
the US and in New York very often, especially not on Alphabas. So I thought that was a little interesting. I don't know that I love that. I will say that I reached out to a friend who works on this film and she said, just wait till you hear Cynthia do like Defying Gravity as a whole. As she said, it's amazing. So I'm still, I think I'm probably more optimistic about the film than I was going into it. Like I expected it to be really good, but like this just, it looks like they've nailed pretty much everything that we've seen in this exactly one minute video. So that that doesn't mean the film's going to be great, but so far I think all signs are pointing up grace. For sure. I do want to say there was like half a frame for Fierro and then nothing for Nessa or Box. So I was like, listen, they are leaning in um, to everything else. So um, it was interesting. You know who else though did appear in uh Miss it, Michelle Yo, Miss Michelle Yo. I I was going to go with Bowen Yang, but Bowen Yang is in the tra- in the little video as well. Um right over Miss Ariana Grande's right shoulder. So um yeah, definitely some interesting stuff there. I cannot wait for the full marketing to roll out for this. It will be released wicked. I don't know if they just said wicked, like they didn't say wicked part one. So I'm not sure what we're calling this, but the first half of wicked will be released on the big screen on Thanksgiving day. Now, Grace, something else that is theater related that will be happening on a screen in the fairly near future is we found out yesterday that the recent Broadway revival of Pearly Victorious will air on PBS this spring. The show we know closed earlier this month, but it was announced yesterday that PBS will air Pearly Victorious, a non-Confederate romp through the cotton patch on May 24th at 9 p.m. Check your local listings, of course. It'll be part of the Great Performances Broadway's Best series, which we talked a little bit about last week. That also includes the Shakespeare in the Park production of Hamlet, starring A2 Blanks and Wood, Otter McDonald's London Palladium concert, my favorite things, the Rogers and Hammerstein 80th anniversary concert, and some other stuff. So I love the fact that this show that you and I both adored is going to have an opportunity to live on because this is... I think something that was a very special production, a very special show that otherwise I can't imagine would get done very often. And I think this is something that can honestly help this work get done even more regionally than just a really successful Broadway revival would have, Grace. Yeah, I agree with you. I also, um, from a uh, regional and uh, community theater perspective, when I was talking about this with my mom, who's done a lot of directing in like the North Georgia area, (laughs) hello, shout shout out to Dalton Little Theater. She was talking about how that show as a play, Ossie Davis's Pearly Victorious, was more likely it was on higher lists because it was more affordable to do than the musical Pearly. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's another bump in how often this is produced, especially on that kind of level. I love that. Very cool. All right, Grace, this is something that I wanted to have a little bit of a discussion on. We won't spend too much time on it because we do have some other bits of news, but the acclaimed stage and screen actor Rafe Fiennes is kind of brought to light a conversations that have been happening uh, quite a bit actually over in the UK with people like Ian McKellen uh, chiming in as well. But he was on the BBC and talked about trigger warnings for shows. And I will have a video of this portion of his BBC interview in the show notes if you want to check it out. But in part, he said, quote, I think we didn't used to have trigger warnings. I mean, there are very disturbing scenes in Macbeth, which is the show he's promoting, terrible murders and things. But I think the impact of theater should be that you're shocked and you should be disturbed. I don't think you should be prepared for these things. And when I was young, we never had trigger warnings for shows. He goes on and Grace talks a little bit about 
some things that I don't actually think get trigger warnings. He talks about how like in King Lear, one of the characters gets their eyes poked out. Like I've never seen a trigger warning that says, you know, trigger warning for eyes being poked out. They say things like extreme violence or graphic violence or, if you know, in those situations or, you know, sexual abuse or suicide or things like that. So I, I think he's arguing a little bit against a straw man. But I think in general, I do think there's something to be said about this discussion about trigger warnings and how they either protect the audience and or serve or diminish the authorial intention of the piece. You've talked quite a bit about trigger warnings in the past, Chris. I'm interested to hear what your thoughts are in general and then especially about what Rafe Fiennes had to say on the BBC uh, over the past weekend. Yeah, I think that sometimes when especially someone pops in to say, like, I don't want trigger warnings because I want someone to be surprised, I think you're missing the point or plot a little bit on why they exist. Um, It's so that it doesn't take a person out of enjoying the art. The reason that I think that so many shows can and should have trigger warnings is so that people are not caught off guard and fully taken out of the immersive, incredible theater experience that they're meant to have. It's been interesting to me, like in the past year, especially with certain shows not having trigger warnings, I think intending to shock the audience, but from like a personal level, if there is something that pertains to domestic violence, alcoholism, suicidal ideation, et cetera, and it's not listed, I can get really sucked out of enjoying a theatrical production. Whereas sometimes if I'm kind of given that knowledge ahead of time, I can really dissect the piece. I can enjoy it better. I don't think that it ruins the plot or ruins the art form. In fact, I think it does quite the opposite. So I am in favor of most trigger warnings. I understand where he's coming from, but frankly, the people that are normally speaking about them not wanting trigger warnings are because it doesn't affect them and because it's coming from a place of privilege where they don't need them. So respectfully, I say, Ray Fiennes, you gave me one of the sexiest scenes on God's planet um, with English patient, and I will love you till the day I die. I also disagree with this point. <laughs> is, there, is there a happy medium in here, Grace? And I've seen some theaters do it. I don't think I've seen it in New York, but I've seen it regionally where in the place, whether it's a posted sign in the physical theater or in the playbill where these things would be listed instead of saying trigger warnings for these things it says there are things that could be disturbing to to certain members of our audience and then here's a QR code or a link where you can read more about this or talk to an usher like is there a happy medium so that the people who don't want anything spoiled at all don't have to have that information given to them. And then for people who might want to be prepared for things that might bother them in one way or another, whether that is emotionally or mentally, or like you said, kind of removing you from the immersive experience of the show can get that information with a little bit of proactive effort. Like, Do you think that makes sense? Or does that kind of defeat the purpose of what a trigger warning is intended to do? Well, then you kind of get into how do you not know what you don't know? Like I wouldn't know, like if I should look for the trigger warnings if I don't know what they are. You know what I mean? Like it's it's kind of being like, it's like, well, when you go into this place, there might be something that bothers you. Okay, well, I have a peanut allergy. Is that gonna be one of them? I don't know. You have to click on this link. You know what I mean? <laughs> I think that I, I think that you just gotta list them out or or have a have a sheet that just says like, here, here are potential warnings. And and then someone can just not read that list. 
or something. But I think that like having a trail to figure that out, I think, well, here's an example. I did go to a show once where I was like, I kind of, I think I maybe tweeted out or something being like, I really wish this show had had a trigger warning. And then somebody said, well, there was one if you clicked on this link on the website when you got the tickets or something like that. And I was like, I would have never seen that. Like, you know what I mean? So I don't know. I, I hear what you're saying. And I, I it's not to be a Debbie Downer. I'm just, I'm really not sure. Um, So maybe it's like an ongoing, it, this is something that just like everything else, right? Where we're all trying to do our best and figure it out and make people feel like they can go see shows. That's really what it is. And so I'm also curious on what that means going forward. And I think it's an ongoing learning experience and I'm excited to be a part of it. Yeah. And I don't, I, I, I want to make sure that I'm not saying like, this is not one of those situations where I think that like Rafe Fines is doing something horrible in saying these things. You know, a lot of these times when an older white man uh, makes a comment about how things are changing in the theater, usually I am, you know, kind of appalled at what they're saying. And while I do disagree with him, mostly in principle, I, I do agree with you that I think he's coming from a place of wanting to make theater better and wanting it to be an experience that has the M the artistic impact that it was intended to. But I think you're absolutely right that it is coming from a place of somebody who might not necessarily feel like they need those things. And uh, it's really easy for that to be a, a blind spot and, and not to understand that other people actually have a better experience at the theater having that information. All right, Grace, let's dive in to some real quick show and casting news. Our favorite theater, I'm going to be, Grace, you and I are supposed to be going to MCC Theater on Tuesday night. If if the connector cancels its show because of this show, snowstorm, I'm going to be very upset because that was the entire purpose of this trip. But nonetheless, MCC has announced the next show that'll be moving in to its off-Broadway home, or at least the cast for it. We already knew that the lonely few would be taking up residence at the MCC Theater beginning on April 26th with a limited engagement through June 2nd. This is a new rock musical with a score by Zoe Sarnak and a book by Rachel Bonds. It had its world premiere out in California last spring and in, in March, I believe. Returning to the cast are two of the three leads, Damon Duano and Lauren Patton. But in that production out in California, Sierra Renee was in one of the lead roles. She is no longer with this production. We'll get to that here in a second. In her place will be Taylor Amon Jones, who is always one of my absolute favorites. Also in the cast are Peter Mark Kendall and Thomas Silcott. The show is directed by Trip Coleman and Eleanor Scott. It is about a small town Kentucky band that gets a big break, a romance that blossoms on tour and leaving and missing home. I believe Sierra Renee is doing Gun and Powder at Paper Mill based off of her social media. So I think that's why she is not involved with this. But I love anytime Taylor Mon Jones is in a show. I think that's awesome. Damon Duano doing a show in New York City is incredible. I I still wish I had gotten to see him in Hadestown. But I think this is one that is very exciting. And as we always talk about, Grace, MCC always finds a way to make things that are very, very interesting. I'm going to say this. In the ensemble is featured Helen Shin. Helen Shin did the out of town of this. Helen Shin is also appearing in Teeth, um, currently off oh. Broadway. Um, can't wait to see Teeth. I am telling you all right now, find Helen Shin on Instagram. That girl's going to be a star. I don't know when, and I don't know what the show is. She has a phenomenal voice. She is an incredible talent. She's super cool. Um, I think I genuinely am like the biggest like secret Helen Shen stan. Um, not so secret. I've been like, you're so sick. Um, <laughs> Helen J. Shen, you have to follow her and you're going to keep her on the radar. She is a star. Awesome. 
All right, let's do some other show and casting news. Chicago continues to knock it out of the park with reality show casting after making her Broadway debut back in January of last year. Jinx Monsoon will be returning to the role of Matron Mama Morton for just like 20 performances starting uh, on June 27th this summer. They'll play just through July 12th. We talked about the Ariana Maddox casting that has sent the box office of Chicago through the roof. Jinx Monsoon did something similar when she was in the show last year. Grace, a show that you saw last week, uh, Eddie Izzard's solo performance of Hamlet announced that it has extended. The show was originally scheduled to play through March 3rd. It will now play through March 16th. Heading out of town, the Signature Theater in Washington, D.C., not the Off-Broadway company, has announced the star for its upcoming D.C. premiere of the new musical Penelope that features a book by Alex Bechtel, Grace McLean, and Eva Steinmetz. Steinmetz directs, and the music and lyrics are by Bechtel. Broadway star of Dear Evan Hansen and Next to Normal, Jessica Phillips, will play the role of Penelope. All of this is based off of The Odyssey, written by Homer. And finally, heading over to the Ship of Dreams, the off-Broadway production of Titanic is welcoming back the original Ruth, Russell Daniels, who just finished up a run as a standby in Gutenberg, the musical. He will be joining the production on February 28th, along with Elliot Maddox, who will be taking over the role of Victor Garber. Daniels and Maddox will replace Nathan Lee Graham and Frankie J. Grande in those roles. Speaking of this and the Wicked thing earlier, Grace, did you see the video of Frankie and the cast of Titanic watching the uh, the the Wicked commercial during the Super Bowl on Sunday night. No, I only saw the cast of Wicked doing that. That's oh. amazing. Yeah, so Frankie and the, a lot of the members of the cast of Titanic were like backstage just watching it. So that that was very cool, you know. So between that and Wicked, I haven't not seen the Wicked one, so I'll, I will check those out. But very good reaction videos. All right, Grace, let's wrap up with a feel-good recommendation or a little uh, so a little bittersweet one here. First, the How to Dance in Ohio social media accounts put up a video of the final curtain call of the show on Sunday as it closed over at the Belasco Theater, so you can check that out. And then, Grace, on Wednesday, assuming the snow is not up to our elbows, there's going to be a very special event over at the James Earl Jones Theater. Why don't you tell me a little bit about what's going on there on Wednesday? If you want to feel the power of love and would no, like to brave the storm, I know you do. And if you're working for a living, come on your lunch break at 1230 because I will be there with Huey Lewis and we have $19.85 tickets to signify the year that the power of love, the song came out. It's it's just going to be a really fun day. The first 50 people in line get to meet Huey Lewis, but they're extending the box office operating throughout the entire day that the box office is open, I think until like five or six, six. that day. Six p.m. Um, so please come by. If you want to see me or Huey Lewis, you can come at I'm 1230. I know you have to come, Matt. I'm going to be there. I'm absolutely going to be <laughs> it's, there. It's going to be great. Awesome. All right, everybody, that's all that we have for today. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. And you can follow me on Instagram at BWW. Matt Grace, where can people find you? You can find me at Grace Aki or at the Huey Lewis box office. <laughs> awesome. All right, everybody, have a wonderful Tuesday. We'll be back to talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.